Let's go! From the four corners of the globe, welcome to the Park Chat Theme Park Podcast. Join us as we dive deep into a world of fun and adventure to discover what Australia's theme parks are all about. Hey guys, welcome to Park Chat, the podcast. We are back for a spooky episode on Fright Nights. We attended last night, Blake and I. Blake, welcome to the show. And Matt from Melbourne, hello as well. Hello. Hey, how's everyone doing? Blake, how do you feel after a late night last night doing Fright Nights? Well, I didn't get to sleep until 6am, but not because I was scared or anything. I was more wired. I had a lot of... uh, thoughts on my mind about the night and I was very keen to get them all jotted down so I could remember that I wanted to say during this episode. Now for those playing at home and that haven't or have gone to the event, we're going to go through every aspect of the night, starting with the mazes, then going into the precincts, then going into the food and rides, followed by how the attendance was. Was Fast Track worth it? improvements or changes from previous years and anything they could change in the future. Now, Blake, just like a 30-second preview, what did you think of last night? So overall, I think it was a better experience that I had compared to the past couple of times that I've been to Fright Nights. I don't think it was as good as uh, the time that I went in 2016 when I did Ultimate Terror Tour. It looks like they have made some improvements in some areas, but they've also taken a couple of steps back in other areas, and we'll go into deeper depth when we touch on those subjects specifically. Now, Matt, you didn't do the event. You weren't interested or couldn't justify the expense. I had a spare ticket. I had work. (laughs) I was doing the math, and I was like, okay, so I'll finish work at five. The airport ride will probably take an hour. The flight will be at seven. Are the events over by the time I even get there? Well, it wasn't really a spare ticket. Well, it was, but, you know, Matt had to pay for it, so it's not like it was free. So it would have been a very expensive night. It would have been like, would have been close to $1,000 if you flew Virgin, because my friend was looking at flights. So honestly, if Matt had come up, I would have just given it to him. Oh, say that after the event. Well, I thought that was kind of given considering that he would have had to pay for flights and then he would have probably had to stay at either my place or your place or uh, at the worst case scenario, book a hotel or something. <laughs> On the side of the road. Yeah. Oh, we could have stayed at the Coomera Motor Inn, whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. That hotel. <laughs> so I just want to say a warning. When I say last year, I actually mean 2019. I just want to... Get that out here now because I am going to say last year a lot. And what I really mean is 2019. Also, I think it might be worth uh, doing a spoiler alert. We are going to be going in depth about certain things about the mazes or the experiences that we did. So if you are planning to go to Fright Nights on some of the later evenings this month and you don't want anything spoiled, you might want to just skip to the end of this episode just to kind of get like a final summary and we'll do our best not to reveal spoilers in that section. All right. First maze we need to discuss and I'm going off the popular tag on the Movie World Fright Nights website. So that's the order we're going in. The It Maze. Undoubtedly the most popular event of the night if you're going by how long the queue line was, especially towards the end of the night. This could be because everyone loves it, 
It could be because the queue starts at the police academy, sorry, Hollywood Stunt Driver building. So it's at pretty much the front of the park. But yes, this maze, you know, at 10, 20 at night was still very busy. So the It Maze, Blake, thoughts? Well, as you said, it was easily the most popular event purely just off of uh, looking at the queue. And I do think you're right. It did have the vantage point of being in the center of the park compared to the other mazes which were in those purpose-built sheds which are behind Wild West Falls. Now, keep in mind that this is just a recycled maze from the previous season. And it's easily the largest maze. It's probably about double in length compared to all the other mazes. And for what it is, it's good. Like, I can definitely tell that there was some effort in there. But I don't think our experience was the best. But I think that was more attributed to the fact that it was the first maze that we did that evening. And I don't think the actors were quite warmed up yet. Also, I do want to make note of the sets because I was a fan of the sets, especially towards the end when you get towards like the sewers and all those kinds of rooms. And then they started introducing more and more props and animatronics and things like that towards the end. Like the beginning was kind of started off slow and then they it slowly ramped up towards the end. Um, so overall, it was good. I think our experience wasn't the greatest and I think it was because we went in at the very beginning of the night. Yeah, look, I, I want to make mention of that as well. We obviously did fast track because we were concerned about getting through every maze of, of the night and I guess, well, we can say it now, we did all mazes twice except the it maze. That was the one we did only once. Uh, so in the last hour, we got through all four. So maybe a pro tip for those uh, that don't want to do fast track just come in the last hour you'll be able to smash most of them out but yeah the actors towards the end of the evening definitely ramped up maybe they were excited about going home or maybe just the adrenaline or something kicked in towards the end of the night but yeah the it maze did feel quite tame my first impression when i walked through the first three rooms was gosh this is very you know there wasn't much on the walls and much theming but yeah towards the end of the maze it did definitely improve but I didn't find it a particularly amazing maze for scares or for hiding spots or for, uh, you know, that build-up you get sometimes with mazes. So, yeah, I feel like the It Maze was okay. Uh, I don't... I'm, I'm happy that it was the one I didn't do twice because there was a few other ones we did earlier in the night where we were like, hey, I want to redo this. We just felt like we were in the wrong spot in the in the group and we just missed out on a few scares. But for the It Maze, I felt like it probably wouldn't have improved much. So yeah, I liked it. Didn't love it. Well, it, it's probably been sitting there for the past three years. So I can't imagine they would have done any drastic changes during that time. And as a result, it still suffers from the same flaws that the older maze designs have, which uh, you covered, was uh, kind of a lack of a hiding spots or creative ways for the actors to come out and surprise you. But that has been addressed in the new mazes this year. We'll discuss each of them as we go through them, but I do think that was a big improvement that they did over these newer design mazes, The Conjuring and Death Row, that they came up with more creative ways for the actors to hide and reset and come out for the next party to, uh, to scare them. Well, that's probably a good segue break, Blake, rather. Uh, the Death Row maze, that's the second maze that we need to discuss. That's a movie world 
created theme. The first of two new mazes this year. Sharing the shed with the conjuring. So the two new mazes are in the same building. What did we think of the death row maze? Death row maze was probably, to me personally, I think came second to conjuring. I think conjuring was a stronger maze overall, but death row, especially being a unique themed attraction, I think was uh, much better than the mazes of previous years. The whole theme is that you're going into a prison and the maze navigates different facilities of the prison. So you go into like um, the execution hall and then there's solitary confinement and it's the solitary confinement hallway, which is a highlight of that walkthrough as you go through this tunnel, you got all these wooden panels on either side and they actually move in and out. And there's a bunch of like corpses jutting out of the walls and they put strobe effects in the hallway too. So it's a bit disorientating. And that was a really well executed section. I really wanted to highlight that particular part of the um, maze. Yeah, I think the new mazes in general definitely stepped it up a notch. One of the criticisms I had with Fright Nights, and I don't know how they did it, and I don't want to say that I'm just in my head saying something different to what's in reality, but I felt like the new mazes did feel a little bit bigger, even though they're both sharing the same shed. Especially The Conjuring, I felt like the sets felt a little bit bigger. You know, there's nothing worse than sort of winding through skinny hallways and stuff like that. You want to literally feel like you're in you know wherever they're trying to put you so and i know we'll cover this more in the next maze which is the conjuring but yeah the uh, the death row maze was good i did thoroughly enjoy it the there was plenty of actors and the theme through the night of all the mazes was there was plenty of actors there was definitely not a shortage of labor across the night there was so many staff in the park uh crowd control parking everything was well done so yeah, the mazes were really good. The theming was good of the death row. Um, I, I love some of the creative usages, like, you know, the body bag scene. We didn't know who, you know, which was an actor, which was just a hanging body bag. Uh, it, it was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really don't have any feedback other than I hope they continue down the path of using sound effects timed with the actors jumping out at you because that is going to be... I think the biggest improvement, well, one of the biggest improvements they can make going forward because it's just has so much more power to it than someone banging against a wall and then jumping out at you. If, if you can have, and, and I think they need to go a little bit more with this, if they can have lights and sounds really loud when an actor jumps out, that is what's going to elevate, I think, the maze closer to Universal Horror Nights, for example. Yeah, the use of animatronics and props in the mazes has increased, especially with these newer mazes that have debuted this year. But as you said, I think they need to get the timing down a bit better. I don't know if they're motion sensor triggered or if they're manually triggered somehow. There was a lot of times where you just walk straight past them and nothing would happen. I don't know if that's just because they just need to recalibrate how long it takes for the prop to reset. And this is the animatronics, by the way, not the staff. <laughs> the It Maze had a few of these problems, actually, with the animatronics not jumping out at you at all. Yeah, I also noticed it in the Dollhouse Maze as well, um, which we'll um, touch on a bit later. Well, look, that's the Death Row Maze, and I don't want to forget Matt all the way in Melbourne who didn't attend the evening. We had some polls going on our Instagram 
parkchatpod is the username, so make sure you subscribe or follow us. Matt, what were some of the questions we asked our fans? Uh, so, started off with a few polls. So, um, we asked, have you gone or are you planning to go to Fright Nights 2022? To which 34% of people said yes, they have gone or they were planning on going, um, which is a bit surprising. I thought there'd be more of a majority towards wanting to go. But then I did follow up with, if you can't attend, would you attend if you could? To which 82% of people said yes. So, it does seem overall people would. It might just be factors are holding people back. So, then I asked, if you're choosing not to go, why are you choosing not to go? There was a few sort of consistent answers. People mentioning that they're living in other states or other countries even. And so, travel was just out of the question. But then there were a few also saying that the experience you were getting wasn't worth the money in their eyes and that there were different experiences you could get, such as fear phobia, which they believe were better value. Well, that is definitely something that was a concern, even as we discussed in a previous episode. And I even said myself that it's kind of tending towards a more expensive side of things. But look, should we touch on that a little bit later? Because I feel like we should cover the rest of the mazes first before we get into things like pricing as well as upcharge attractions and stuff like that. 100%. Well, look, the next maze of the night is The Conjuring. I just want to make a special mention to the fact that it had a pre-show I thought that from a loading perspective, it was great how you had the two groups in the same room. It just helped transport you to, you know, the Warrens universe. It, it was great. I really enjoyed it. thought there was some interesting theming in there as well. So a special mention to the Movie World creative team for doing that. I think that was awesome. The maze itself was really good. I enjoyed it. There was some fantastic sets. I think this maze for me felt the largest this in the dollhouse with the two mazes i felt like were the largest in terms of just the sheer size of the sets now i'm not saying they were large by any means i still think that movie world can do more to make some of the mazes longer some of the sets bigger and potentially you know another area to house the mazes would achieve that outcome but uh, credit where credit is due the conjuring i think was the best maze sets wise of the evening and I think that you could most certainly see a difference between the previous three mazes and the two new ones in terms of quality. Yeah, I agree. Conjuring was definitely the standout for me as well, purely because of the uh, pre-show element. Before you go into the maze, you are in a room which is meant to be a replica of the Warrens Paranormal Museum. So, you know, Annabelle's sitting in the cabinet and you've got other trinkets and collections that are possessed and then you also kind of have a museum tour guide quite a religious uh, tour guide as well yeah giving some religious banter and blessing everyone before they go in so that was a cool element and i would like to see that in the future with the three new mazes that will be coming next year and it's definitely a step in the right direction 100 percent. it was a fantastic maze again credit where credit is due is it perfect no is it a step in the direction? Yes. And I think for me, that's the overall impression of the night. You know, I think they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. And also like Death Row, they utilized a lot more unique ways for the actors to interact with the environment. So instead of just hiding in the corner 
and behind a, a prop or something and then jumping out. There was holes in the wall. There was someone hiding in a wardrobe. I loved that scare. That was fantastic. You could not imagine someone would be there, but yes, someone popped out of there. That was genius. I think they're starting to understand what works and what doesn't work. And they just need to keep that momentum going in the future. And, you know, if they keep doing that, the mazes are only going to get better from here on out. 100%. All right. So moving to what I would say was the biggest letdown of the night, Zombieland, another returning maze. My only part that I liked was the rules. You know, I felt like as she went through, they had the various rules. I thought that was awesome. The way they illuminated those rules on the walls was good. Other than that, this maze was not good in my opinion. We did it twice. I thought maybe if we timed it better, uh, don't know, didn't like it. Blake, what do you think? Yeah, in terms of the scare factor, it wasn't, it was the least intimidating, but I think that had more to do with the IP that it was attached to, because even though Zombieland is meant to be a horror film, it's also a comedic film as well, and I think, like, it's not as intimidating as, say, The Conjuring or It, which, you know, for some people can be quite terrifying but Zombieland kind of has that comedic element to it and as you said they were very faithful to that in the maze by you know as you go through different rooms they have the several rules of surviving a zombie apocalypse that were used in the films and you know you get a chuckle out of a good few of them yeah I think it was a, a fun maze they could have potentially added a little bit of comedic value to it maybe it just felt a little bit lost. And I even felt like some of the actors didn't... This was the one where the actors didn't really do it for me. I felt like... And this maybe was the only difference to the end of the night experience was some of them didn't really play it up. So every other maze was really good towards the end of the night. But yeah, I think maybe... Uh, well, it's also second year. I guess they're not going to innovate it anymore. They're just going to get rid of it at the end of the season. But yeah, I maybe they didn't know how to play between sort of a comedic and a, and a horror movie and and that shows perhaps i'm not sure mm. well it, they have done a horror maze with a comedic twist in the past do you remember wormwood that had a bit of a comedic flair to it because i always remember that one scene where you go into the it was like a lab and then there was the guy in the yellow hazmat suit and then that's the way I like it, just starts playing and then he starts disco driving. And it was hilarious. I don't remember that scene, but I do remember the maze. Uh, I actually did a uh, universal maze themed around Christmas or themed around the holidays, I think it was. And that was that was weird and appropriate and I guess borderline funny. So perhaps maybe the movie world just didn't know how to, how to toe the line, I guess. But Moving on, I think, we've got so much to cover and so little time. The Dollhouse. Blake, thoughts on The Dollhouse? Uh, unique concept, but again, it's one of the older mazes and I don't really have much to say that I haven't already said about the other mazes. And this is the issue that I've had with Fright Nights in the past where I've definitely felt like the mazes year after year after year have just been the same old shtick with just a different coat of paint. And obviously, with the exceptions of Death Row and The Conjuring Universe, I felt like it's been like that for a long time, you know. And so I really don't have much to say about Dollhouse or Zombieland or it's other than what I've already said, really. 
I want to make a mention that I think the theme of the dollhouse is incredibly spooky. I actually quite enjoyed it. And I think the fact it's around the rear of all the other mazes and you kind of feel a little bit more segregated when you're queuing adds to the sort of buildup of this maze. I liked it. I legitimately thought this was the scariest themed maze. The scares were okay. I don't think there was anything that... Was this the one where you pretty much had to squeeze past some of the actors? I think it was. Uh, yeah, I liked the theme. Uh, but yeah, the, the actual maze had a little bit to improve on. You've brought up an interesting point with the dollhouse being given its location in that area where all the mazes are. It was right at the back. So you did feel a bit segregated. I feel like they could kind of take advantage of that. And instead of just standing in what is essentially a gravel paddock with temporary fencing, they could do something to dress up the queue to kind of get you mentally prepared and immersed for what you're about to enter. 100%. I don't know Mm. if I'm asking too much with saying that. If they could also make the queue enclosed somehow, because whilst we were very fortunate weather-wise, I know on previous nights... A lot of people have had to suffer wet weather. I know I've gone on fright nights and it's just absolutely been bucketing down with rain. And the last thing that you want to do is be standing in line, completely outdoors, getting drenched for 45 minutes to an hour. And so maybe that's something else that movie world could do in the future. Maybe incorporate the queue into the theme to get people psyched up. Yeah, I don't mind that idea, actually. I thought... Yeah, that could actually work, Blake. I like that idea. It's just, I guess, the cost of enclosing it or doing a portable tent or something like that. But yeah, I have been to a few Halloween nights that uh, have been rainy. And while it adds to the evening, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I can't remember which year it was. It was either 2017 or 2018. And obviously, this wasn't the fault of Movie World. I mean, Movie World doesn't control the weather. But I do remember I was not having a very pleasant experience that night and the rain was a big contributing factor to that (laughs) i think we need to power through this because again we've got so much to cover from the evening uh the precincts i must admit i i didn't really look on the map which was on the app not printed i didn't really look on the maps where these were so i really was experiencing it from the view of a naive guest which was probably good because it allowed me to sort of take it in without overthinking it. Reaper County, it was fantastic. The staff owned the accents. I felt a bit of a story every time I went through, including right at the end of the night, they were playing it up. It was fantastic. The actors there are all fantastic. Elsewhere, the precincts, I didn't really, I sort of saw it, but I didn't really create a bookmark in my mind kind of thing. So Blake, what do you think of the precincts from the evening? Well, before I get into that, I might just inform the listeners so there are five precincts scattered throughout the park the first one is right at the front of the fountain the purgatory precinct you might have seen some photos with like the car flipped upside down in the fountain and these like ghoulish type creatures are walking around you also have Payne street which is a nice pun on the main street precinct you have the reaper county precinct which you already mentioned that was based in the wild west area of the park you had the Kill Eye Precinct, which was 
situated around Scooby-Doo and the It Maze. Uh, and that was all themed to killer clowns. And then you had the viral precinct and they were just kind of floating around the general area where the mazes are located. And that was meant to be infected humans, zombie type creatures just walking around. This was one of the biggest letdowns of the night was the execution of the precincts. There was very, very little that went into getting the visitors immersed into a particular environment. There was like a handful of props. You had like a small cluster of scare actors patrolling a particular area. And as you went through, they they would stalk people. They would scare people. I will 100% agree with you. The Reaper County Precinct, props to those actors. They went full hand with the Southern accent and the banter between them and the guests and the interaction was excellent. So if anyone from Village Roadshow is listening to this podcast, give the people at the Reaper County Precinct, the actors, give them full props um, because they did really well. 100% Blake. To me, that was a standout of the evening. Look, budget, time, resources being unlimited, it would be awesome if you had some sort of big signs to say, hey, this is the precinct you're going into. But yeah, I feel like the precincts are always the kind of filler thing for me. So I'm not too bothered about that. But yeah. But with that being said, I recall in previous years, some of the precincts have actually been quite impressive. One of the ones that really comes to mind was uh, they did like a freak show circus type of thing and they had a whole bunch of actors in cages scattered throughout the Main Street area and it was set up to be like a freak show carnival type thing and I thought that was really, really good. So they do have the capacity to do that. They have done really good precincts in the past. I just don't think it was there this year. Yeah, that's fair. I don't really have anything to add or change to what you've said. So, yeah, precincts were good, but not amazing. Upcharge attractions. Well, I guess there was those shipping containers, the dark field. Yes, Realscape dark field, yes. What do you think, Blake? Would you do it again, $25? Okay, so I do actually have a lot to say about this. Overall, I found the experience to be underwhelming just to summarize and again spoiler alert for anyone who is interested in doing this you might want to skip this section the experience basically consisted of a group of guests around about 30 or so people being sat in a shipping container uh, there are two themes there's flight the interior of the shipping container is themed to the interior of a airplane cabin and then the other one which we did was the seance so it was basically a long room with a table that stretched from one of the of the container to the other and then you had guests sit on either side of the table and you put on a pair of headphones they turn off the lights and you listen to an auditory experience of a man conducting a seance and there were some tactile elements to the experience at the very beginning of the seance the man says put your hands on the table so you're supposed to put your hands on the table and i say supposed to because ash didn't do it apparently so he (laughs) i put my fingers on the edge of the table i didn't it was pitch black i didn't want someone touching me so i thought oh this is a lot safer and i'll get to that in a minute too so as the experience goes through and the seance ramps up and there's supernatural elements occurring around you 
the table starts rocking, the chairs start rocking, they create vibrations in the floor, so you start feeling rumbles around you. And because it is headphones, they take full use of panning techniques. So you'll hear a door swing open and then you'll hear footsteps go from your right ear to the left ear. And then the man who's conducting the seance, he's he's walking around the room and he's talking to different guests and asking them, like, do you have a lost loved one? Lie on the table. And then you can feel the table repress into the floor as allegedly someone lies on the table and it was all in sync. That was all good. But I think I just totally psyched myself out going into this event. I was expecting there's going to be actors in there. The lights are going to come back on and then something's going to be changed or something's going to be different in the room. Like I thought there could have been like trap doors in the table and then props would have shot out and been like, oh, something's moved or something's appeared or actors were going to come in and start grabbing your legs or something like in Darren Brown's ghost train at Thorpe Park. And none of that happened. You literally just sat in the dark for 15 minutes and then it was over. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was an interesting experience, but wouldn't do it again. That's for sure. I wouldn't even do the other one, the flight. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm glad that I did it because it kind of eased my curiosity because I was curious as to what the experience was going to be like. But would I do it again? I don't know. With that being said, though, we have to take it with a grain of salt because this experience, this um, attractions, I believe they, they're they based in Melbourne. And this was just two out of their four experiences that they have at their permanent location. So I don't know if they have props or scare actors at their permanent location. Because keep in mind, they had to squeeze this into literally a shipping container. So space was limited. So I can only imagine that if you had more space to work with and a permanent structure, you could do a lot more. I will say that about the experience. It has a lot of potential to do amazing things. So just on the website now, they sell the shipping container aspect. In fact, on the website, the menu header is the containers and then there's four different ones. So... I think this is pretty much what we got was what the full experience was. So. Oh, okay. So they don't have a permanent headquarters like or a permanent location? Uh, if they do, it's the containers there. And actually on their website, they sell it like Melbourne, season ended, Gold Coast until the 31st of October, Brisbane coming soon, Sydney coming soon. So... No, I think it's designed to tour. I don't believe it's a uh, permanent experience. Okay, then. Well, then completely disregard everything I said about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the only other upcharges on the event were the panic rooms. We didn't do them. They were sold out bar one. There was one that had a few times when we inquired on the evening. Well, you didn't want to do it because they said it was the difficult one. Well, I just didn't want to feel dumb after 25 minutes in the... It was, I think they're a shipping container as well, aren't they? I believe so, yes. So, yeah, I felt I don't need this. So, if I had my time again, I would have done that instead of the dark field. There's no actors in those either, though, so it's all you. Mm, I was under the impression that there were actors in those, but I guess not. Look... Please comment if anyone has done a scare maze either this year or in previous years. Let us know what they're like. Is it worth the admission price of $125? And 
or even what's the right amount of people to do the panic rooms because you can have anywhere between two to six people that's good i would like to know and it's also because of the short time as well like do you need six because there's a lot to do in a very short amount of time that's a very good point next topic on the list was attendance obviously we had a slightly skewed experience being the fact we upgraded ourselves to fast track blake thoughts did you think it felt too busy i'm actually gonna say no and I understand that we did have fast track just for the mazes. The The other package for the rides and the mazes had sold out before we could actually purchase them. And in order for us to get to do all the mazes, it was definitely worth paying the $120 just so we could do all the mazes and get a full assessment of what Fright Nights has to offer. But from our understanding, we heard from certain park employees that they've actually reduced the capacity of the Fright Nights events this time around. And it kind of made me think, maybe that's the reason why we saw such a significant jump in price this year, because they've kind of maybe gone a bit of a a Disney-esque route with their approach to Fright Nights. They've gone, hey, look, in the past, we've gotten the park up to capacity People have been complaining that they've been spending X amount of money and they only get to do like two mazes or something like that. How about we reduce the numbers, we increase the price, but you get a better overall experience. And I think for something like this, like Fright Nights, that works. And clearly people are happy to pay the extra money knowing that they're going to not necessarily guarantee a better experience, but the likelihood of them to be experience all the mazes and even get a couple of rides in is higher than previous years. Yeah, I would agree with pretty much everything you said, Blake. Towards the end of the night when we had done our one maze, well, you know, one go of every maze, we marathoned four in a very short amount of time. Well, we noticed that the vast majority of guests had actually vacated the park after 10 o'clock which is when the ride shut. But the event was open until 11 along with the mazes. And that's when we were able to marathon the four mazes at the back of the park within half an hour to 45 minutes. I don't know, maybe that was that a miscommunication? Like, did people not realize that the event was open later? I think it shows that most people are getting everything done that they want to get done. When we inquired about the ride closures when we spoke to the ride ops and they said hey we're closing a little bit early well it wasn't a little bit early they closed earlier than 10 o'clock just to clear out the queues i think it was around nine o'clock and they said hey we've got now a line hence why we're closing the lines now like they were fairly happy to tell us things like hey you know that should be open or whatever so i don't think that people were leaving under the impression that it was closed early i think purely it was just they'd got everything they wanted done But, you know, listeners, let us know if that's not the case. If you thought the park was closed early and you left, uh, the only thing I could say is all the music stopped at 10, I'm pretty sure. So the tone of the park changed dramatically. Blake, you mentioned no music probably helped. The sort of the spookiness of the precincts. Yes, absolutely. Especially towards the back of the park where the mazes are located. We're walking through the Reaper County precinct, you know, the Wild West area. And I couldn't help but feel... Yeah, this is way more immersive than having like a whole bunch of gent metal music or 
um, hardcore EDM music blaring at my face while I'm walking throughout the park. I thought having the quietness added to the immersion. Especially in Reaper County because they did such a good job. In fact, when we're walking back towards the exit of the park, so walking through the Wild West section from the rear to the front, the actors were just sort of standing there and this was no music. This was basically park shut at this point. And they were just standing there in a group staring at us. And I thought that was fantastic. Like they really played it up. I think they all deserve a huge pay rise or something. They did great. Uh, But yeah, no music definitely helped. The next question, I guess, is did fast track help? My impression was during the night, the busy period, absolutely there was very little waits at all in regards to the overall number of mazes you do i mean you could probably slam them out and get them all done towards the end of the night anyway but it's kind of nice to go through the night and have time to spare the only thing i think missing was some sort of ultimate terror tour slash buffet slash something to eat up a little bit more time but what do you think about that blake well in terms of food i was very very happy with our little chicken tenders meal deal thing i've never had those chicken tenders from gotham city burgers before they are actually really really good uh in terms of fast track making a difference absolutely especially if you're not going to be sticking around until 11 o'clock like if you just want to leave by 9 10 o'clock fast track is pretty much mandatory if you want to do all the mazes but with the reduced capacity it's kind of opened up that potential that you can stay back for that last hour and just smash them all out. And based on our experience, that's the golden time to do it because the actors have all warmed up, they know what they're doing at that point, and you're more likely to get a better experience going through the mazes. And because of the fact that there's less people, there's less stress on the actors to reset so you're pretty much guaranteed to get scared, like get get jumped on. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I like that a lot. I do think that they were really getting everyone through the maze quickly, which did negatively affect the experience earlier on in the night, but it's also nice that they had fantastic operations. Like there was no criticisms that I had in regards to the operations, which I know we do like to criticize the ride operations. So the maze operations were great. And there was something else I was about to say. And, oh, I like the fact that they sent the groups through and they weren't saying you had to put your hands on the back of the person in front of you. That most certainly improved things. It was much more comfortable. It just felt a lot more normal. I didn't feel like my hands were going to wail about and hit someone accidentally. I just felt it was a much more civilized way of experiencing the mazes and i appreciated village taking a leaf out of the parks overseas Mm. the word i used to describe in my notes about lifting the requirement of keeping your hands on the shoulders in front of you was a more freer experience 100 percent. they were still ushering people through you know 10 people at a time but usually you don't usually have a group of 10 when you go to fright nights or at least in my experience, I haven't. So you're always grouped in with other people. And the other people usually, especially if they're getting targeted by the actors a lot, they might race ahead and 
you end up losing track of where they are anyway. So it kind of defeated the purpose of having your shoulders on the person in front of you to begin with anyway. So that was a really, really positive change to the operations of the mazes. I think that they should definitely keep that. And I can understand why they did that. You know, obviously being in a post-COVID world, a lot of people are a bit more conscious about their personal space and touching other people. And if there was a positive to come out of that, this is one of them. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. I definitely enjoyed that improvement. I guess now that we are in sort of the previous year's differences, I will say that I definitely missed some sort of show. We had time to kill. We were a little bit bored through. The, we we kind of had the initial fast track. Let's get all the mazes done. We then had something to eat. We then finished off the mazes. We did a loop of the park, and then I think we did another loop of the park. Then we got a little bit bored. Then we did the Darkfield experience. A show around there would have been fantastic. And then we then marathoned the mazes when we sort of like, do we go? Do we give it another whirl? So, yes, I think a show, I'm just on the website now. I understand they've got the live band appearing four times through the evening. They've got the open and sort of the closing show, which also is at 8.40. It's actually not really a closing show because it's 8.40 and 9.45. And then some sort of ghoul guides. Maybe it's just us not having a park map and not knowing to see these things. But yeah, shows and entertainments was probably the biggest void of the evening. What do you think, Blake? Mm. Well, you've covered a lot of ground there. With regards to what we did on the evening, yeah, we did kind of faff around a bit. We didn't really necessarily have much of a plan, but that was a luxury that was granted to us because of the fact that we had fast track because we smashed out all the mazes within the first two hours of being there and had dinner it took that sense of urgency i'd be like we need to go to dollhouse and now we need to go to zombie land and now we need to go to conjuring you know we were able to take our time a little bit more if we hadn't had fast track we would have been waiting 45 minutes to an hour for each of those mazes easily and considering that it's only a five-hour event, if you're waiting 45 minutes for five mazes, do the math. That's the vast majority of your night just standing in line. So having the luxury of just being able to go straight into the mazes and take a breather, take time out just to walk around, soak the park atmosphere in was good. But I think we probably could have planned it a bit better like for instance we were looking to do a nighttime ride on dc rivals and then we got to the front gate and they'd already shut the queue so that was kind of on us but as a consequence of that we ended up doing the seance experience so in terms of live entertainment they definitely stripped it back a bit they had that band they're called the wraith and I'm going to shout them out. It's particularly their double bass player. I always appreciate a really, really good double bass player. And he was crushing it. So I <laughs> uh, wanted to give them a shout out because um, while we were queuing in Main Street to get our fast track, I was rocking out to them. And we didn't bother with the EDM throwdown at the end of the night. If I bring it up on the website... Yeah, Rise of the Dead. So that's at 8.40 and 9.45. So basically, it's just like a DJ set in Main Street. And then you just have a whole bunch of people moshing. So we didn't bother with that. I think we're actually at the seance event during the second DJ set. If I can just make a mention to maybe an improvement that they could make. I think some sort of screen at the front or even through the park just to give you a rough 
wait time, again, park map of some sort, and show times would have been a massive improvement. Again, we flew pretty blind just using the app. And yeah, I felt like they could have, with the removal of the physical printed maps, some sort of screen would actually be a good idea. I mean, those things aren't expensive to hire. I've hired them myself and they're really not that bad. So I think a few of those scattered around the park would most certainly have helped. I mean, Dreamworld do it. So that would probably be, I think, an easy thing that they could do to improve the guest experience and I guess just highlight some of the events or shows on the evening. Yeah, I've always been a fan of collecting maps in general and the major theme parks on the Gold Coast are trying to be a bit more environmentally conscious and they're not printing physical maps anymore, which kind of does take that convenience away. I mean, yes, we do. There is the Village Roadshow app. You can bring up the interactive map on the app and you can select things that are highlighted to give you more information which is good maybe that's just something that we need to be accustomed to now because that's going to be the new normal yeah that's true i think maybe then they could do push notifications for the app maybe i just don't have that enabled that would be a great idea imagine you could be like in the village roadshow app you could set up a planner and be like, I want to do this event at this time. I'm going to do the panic room at this time. And then, you know, five to ten minutes prior to the event, you get a push notification saying, hey, get to this area of the park now. This is going to be happening. That would be an excellent feature to add to the Village Roadshow app. Anything else, Blake, you think they would do? I mean, next year we've got three new... Well, uh, we should have three new mazes coming. Do you think there's time for a sixth maze? Do you think that they could scale it back to four and have bigger mazes? Do they need to spread them out more? What do you think? Like, I mean, just a couple of minute snapshot. What should Village do different next year? Definitely against adding another maze. I think five is enough for the time being. We were just looking at Hollywood Horror Nights for Universal. That's a much larger event they've got a significantly larger amount of people that need to cater for they've only got eight mazes well this is hollywood but yes yeah you make an interesting valid point yep sure i think five is enough i think they just need to keep improving better execution on the mazes better execution in the precincts if they want to do upcharge attractions that's cool i mean the panic rooms they've been a staple for many years as well but again i can't comment on it because i still haven't done one yet I do think this year's Fright Nights experience, as I said at the very beginning, was significantly better than the last couple of years that I went. And particularly, I think it was 2017 and 2018. And I've, you know, I've been expressing my opinion about the night and the event as a whole. I can understand that I'm someone who's done this year after year after year. And For me, Fright Nights has kind of lost that novelty slash wow factor. And in order to make me happy from a very selfish point of view, Movie World would need to introduce something really groundbreaking. But I just don't see that happening because there's a lot of people that were having a blast. I find that I don't get targeted a lot during the scare mazes. I think the actors... They know how to read people. They always know who to target because the people that they do target, they always get the best reactions out of them. So maybe I'm having, I'm also coming from a bit of a jaded point of view. And I've looked up other reviewers as well. Like uh, when I came home, I I looked at the video reviews from other bloggers like uh, Jags Journeys and Destination Dad and Daughter. And they both 
praised Fright Nights from start to finish. They had nothing bad to say. They had an excellent time. Whereas I feel like we've been a bit more critical, but I don't know if that's just because uh, we're a bit more nitpicky. (laughs) 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 Your thoughts on that, Ash? Look, I haven't done Horror Nights in a number of years now. Horror Nights at Universal Studios. I have done Orlando twice. I've also done a Cedar Point event. This year, I'm going to be doing Hollywood on Halloween night, not doing Express Passes. I'm also going to be doing Halloween at Canada's Wonderland, uh, Hershey Park, and a few other parks as well. So we're going to probably touch on this more when I get back. I think I need an adjustment, A, just to see where Movie World fits in the overall scheme of things, because it's not a cheap event by any means, and really it should be one of the best experiences in Australia and it should be up there when it comes to uh, you know competing with at least some of the regional parks Halloween events so I don't think we're being too nitpicky I think we've got you know the fortunate experience of being able to do parks around the world and view parks around the world and just approach it from a different angle which is hey this is not a podcast for what people on the Gold Coast should see and do this is a podcast about best industry practices and whether or not our parks are living up to the international standards. I mean, at the end of the day, if we we as the consumer or the parks themselves just stop innovating and stop striving to be some of the best, then it's going to uh, be a worse event for everyone. So I'm happy to admit we're very critical on this show and, and I must admit I was nervous beforehand because I thought if this event is terrible, it's going to make us seem really Petty, you know, our first sort of review back from our break, and here we are complaining about the event. So I was very happy that the event went pretty well. But yeah, I, I think it's more just us taking it from a different angle than, uh, you know, same thing when we review operations on rides and ride additions and things like that. We're not saying, hey, this is a cool experience. We're going, mm, this maybe wasn't a good idea in the grand scheme of things stacking up to overseas. So yeah, I think that's kind of why we probably take things a little bit more critical. Hmm. No, that's fair. Just touching back on the price, because you did mention uh, the price, because it is expensive now. And adding things on top of the emission, like fast track, like dinner, like doing upcharge attractions, um, such as the panic rooms or the seance, you can very easily rack up, you know, two to $300. I know I spent at least $200 on last night, just between fast track, the meal, seance event other things as well and i can understand that will turn off a lot of people but there's still a demand for it and you also got to take into consideration and this is something that i didn't think about when we were discussing this in the previous episode you mentioned that there was a lot of actors and there were and labor is always going to be the most expensive overhead in any business and when you're hiring that much extra labor two nights a week for five hours, you know, that's going to rack up. So I can only imagine that a lot of the emission price goes towards paying the extra actors that they bring on. And I'm happy for that. And I'm also happy to pay extra if it means that I'm going to, like I said before, not necessarily guarantee, but increase the likelihood that I'm going to have more experiences rather than spending four fifths of my night standing in a queue. And I guess from a operations perspective, that is a step in the right direction. 
but I can totally understand that there would be some people out there that just look at the price and say, no way, that is too expensive. I'm going to go and do Evil Corp instead. And I get more or less the same experience, but for a fraction of the price, and I'm not smooshed in with five to 10,000 other people. Look, I know we've never really got around to it, the whole Six Flags view on things, um, which is basically charge more, less people make more money at the end of the day. Uh, You know, the Disney way and and Universal are doing a very similar thing, just to a, a less great extent. But, you know, as the theme park industry in Australia matures, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a premium and more budget offering between the parks. I think Village, obviously, they want to take the premium route. That's the way they've always sort of positioned their parks. They haven't always come through on that. That's hopefully changing. So this event, I think, sort of is following that same trend. So I'm happy to see that, you know, maybe crowds are a bit lower, the experience a little bit better, the price a little bit higher. I think if that's the way they're going, that's good. And as long as they continue to innovate that, and, you know, especially with the influx of the Evil Corpse and all of that, which offer a fantastic experience, but a different experience, the village parks need to actually go through and go, look, how can we continue to be competitive? And that doesn't necessarily have to be cheap. That just means the best value, the best experience, and those things don't necessarily mean the lowest cost. So yes, I'm happy with the value position of Village's offerings. And I just want to make a mention to the staff on the evening. I didn't encounter any staff that were disinterested, considering that maybe some of those staff had worked during the day. I was thoroughly impressed with the customer service, the crowd control, the organization, the friendliness from the security to the food and bev, to the maze cube sorters, to the actors themselves. I mean, they weren't friendly, the actors inside. They were probably the opposite of that. But they were far, you know, they were enjoying themselves, put it that way. Uh, So, yes, I just want to make a really big mention to the staff. Everyone just enjoyed themselves that evening, and I think that actually translated to the guests. The guests were enjoying themselves in the queue line, Honestly, everyone just had a really good evening. Yeah, I'll second that too. Yeah, the staff were great. All the point of sale staff members, the maze attendants, all of that, really welcome, really accommodating. They definitely would have been under the pump, you know, trying to get people through as fast as possible, but they kept the composure. All the actors were on point in that regard. Yeah, it was really good. In summary, though, definitely had a better experience this time around. I definitely think that was mainly due to the addition of Fast Track, which I think is pretty much essential, and the fact that they have reduced the overall capacity on each of the nights in order to ensure a better overall guest experience. Even if that means that does come at a premium, I can understand that. You know, maybe World's a business, they still have to get their money and they still have to pay their staff, especially with all the extra actors and stuff that they hire during the event. So all I can say to Movie World is you did good, Just keep building upon the foundation that you have set this year. Keep investing more into the mazes. Come up with more creative ideas on how to scare the guests rather than thinking about basically quality over quantity. That's all I'm going to say. Quality over quantity. Yeah, I would agree with that, Blake. I think I would like to see the mazes... Either they invest in more of those sheds or they get a little bit more creative. But I think increasing the actual land size of the mazes going forward, I think will most certainly help. I think having a true number one maze, this is the one we poured a lot more money into. This is the biggest IP. 
I'm not saying necessarily like stranger things or anything like that, but hey, if that could happen, that'd be awesome. I think that's probably the thing that can elevate the event to the next level and obviously doing a little bit more around the precincts. The upcharges in my mind are neither here or there. Ultimate Terror Tour would love to see something come back in that respect. But yeah, I think they're definitely on the right track. Quality over quantity is most certainly the theme of this year's event. Back to the basics probably is even more relevant. And yeah, I think honestly, this is a lot more positive than I thought it was going to be. I went into the event thinking I was not going to enjoy it, or at least I was going to walk out frustrated. In fact, it was the opposite. My only criticism really was, hey, I got a little bit bored during the middle of the event. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But that's probably because we did fast track and we powered through those mazes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You mentioned Stranger Things. I understand that, you know, the contracts for securing the IPs for the mazes next year have more than likely already been secured at this point. But honestly, I would love to see a Stranger Things maze next year. That would actually be really cool. You could do so much with that. The reason I mentioned it was not like, hey, I'm a fan of Stranger Things. In fact, I haven't even finished the latest season, but... If Village wants to kind of go the route of like, hey, how can we get people in? Let's do six mazes. Let's do this show. Let's just concentrate on quality over quantity and let's spend the money on the mazes and then let's have a draw card to get people in. Now, I understand that the IP, the licenses is probably a huge chunk of the overall budget and and that's probably going against what I want, which is bigger, more detailed mazes. But getting the focus back on mazes in general is a good focus for Village. So... I think some sort of flagship maze and then a general attitude change towards investing and innovating in the mazes. That's what's going to elevate the theme above and beyond local competition and just obviously get people coming back year after year. Now, Blake, I just want to make a mention now. Unfortunately, Matt had to disappear on us. That's why you haven't heard much from him. Also, he didn't attend the event, so he uh, didn't have a huge amount to say. But that's okay because next episode, it's just going to be Matt and I because Ash is going to the United States, so he won't be around to record the next episode. So it's just going to be Blake and Matt next episode. So Matt on his page, Mitty Theme Park, so make sure you follow and subscribe to him on Instagram and also our username is Pod. Make sure you subscribe to that. He did ask the question, are you attending Movie World's Fright Nights and if not, why? I'm just going to go through some of the responses and I think it's going to be interesting now that we've done our review This is what people were thinking before the review, before the event started, before media came out. So this is going to be an interesting sort of public perception versus reality. So the first response was, I live in America. Not much we can change about that. Second one was money. Another one was too far because I live in the Northern Territory and I want to wait until Leviathan opens before going to the Gold Coast. Uh, Fear phobia is better. I'm also from Sydney. Too expensive, disappointing at previous years, not enough new things to do. Someone said not into the scary and another person said New South Wales and can't afford to go at the moment, wish we could go. And the last two things was what did you like about this year's Fright Nights and someone said new mazes and the scares in Main Street. So I think the tone people are saying was probably sort of where I was approaching the event from, which was... So I want to give it a go. Is it just going to be same old, same old? And it kind of was same old, same old, but same old, same old from a few years ago, which was when there was more innovation in the mazes. Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of legitimate responses 
from some of our listeners about that. I can definitely understand the sentiment, especially if you're too far away, if it's too expensive, if there's nothing new to warrant a return visit or there's not an expansion or an improvement over previous years. And like I said, I can definitely empathize with the person that said I had a bad experience in the last couple of years because so did I. So, And especially if you're coming up from Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, anywhere that's not Southeast Queensland, you know, it's a big commitment. And I could totally understand the person that's waiting for Leviathan because I would be in the same book too. (laughs) I think the only other thing Village could do would be do some sort of scare packs, farm stay, SeaWorld Resort. I think they could definitely tie those in a little bit better into an overall pack, but that's sort of not something that entices a local crowd anyway. So actually, you know what? It would be kind of cool to do like some sort of on-site resort experience for locals you know the farm stay experience a bit spooky campfires scary stories that sort of thing i reckon they could definitely uh, do something with that well maybe we'll see that in the future because keep in mind that village roadshow did announce that they were wanting to build on-site accommodation for movie world and i can't help but think a big proponent of them wanting to do that is so they can create these bundle packages so they can attract more visitors from not necessarily other countries but just other parts of australia because we are a big country we're not like europe where you can travel through four countries in the space of three hours (laughs) it's uh... that is true that is true all right well look i think that summarizes the event quite nicely we would love to hear your feedback on our facebook or instagram pages blake any last things we should add Yeah, if you have any comments about anything that we've said in today's episode, please leave a comment. We love the feedback. We know that this is a bit of a different episode. I mean, we haven't really stuck to a formula. We've kind of been experimenting with these first few episodes. But I think from here on out, we're going to be just sticking to one topic per episode because we do have the capacity to extrapolate on a single idea for an extended period of time. And the <laughs> previous episode, while I thought was really, really good, it was very long. And as of recording this, we're already racking up uh, an hour and 15 minutes. So <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see how long this episode actually ends up becoming after I edit it. Well, Blake, you make a good point. The episode is definitely on the longer side now, so we better wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe on our social media. Until next time, which you'll hear Blake, Matt, and probably not me, have a good time, and we'll talk to you soon. See you later, guys. Have a good one.